This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Good Old Podcast. I'm Jackie French Julie for Wahoo's 24-7. And this is a, um, I guess, late Tuesday podcast. So if you're a uh, a night owl, you'll be getting this a little bit past uh, nine o'clock. But if you're an early riser, you'll be listening to this on Wednesday. It's been a, a kind of a different schedule this week with University of Virginia on fall break. So we actually got Tony Elliott um, at noon rather than one, but we only got our player interviews done in the afternoon around four o'clock. So everything kind of got pushed um, a little bit later today. So that's why we're recording the podcast actually a little bit later here at night. So a lot to get to today. As you know, we usually do a kind of game recap and top headlines from Tony Elliott's press conference on Tuesday. So um, before we get started, why don't you go ahead and like this video and like our channel and also click on the bell so that you're notified whenever there's a new video. And if you're listening to us, why don't you go ahead and review and rate us on Apple and Spotify so that we can continue to grow our show. It helps us with the algorithm on those platforms so that we can continue to grow the Wahoo's 24 seven um, network and also our brand. So, and also for all of you that have listened and joined Wahoo's 24 seven, again, I thank you so much for your support. So it hasn't been the greatest uh, few days for Virginia football. Not only are they dealing with the loss to Boston college, but on the recruiting front, they lost one pledge in the 2024 class when Christian Zachary, a wide receiver commit from South Carolina, decided to open his commitment, open up his recruitment after he took an official visit to NC State. It's something that we've been following on Wahoo's 24-7 for the last few months, ever since he camped at NC State about a week after his official visit to Virginia where he committed to UVA. So we've been kind of tracking that. He had originally said that he wasn't going to take any more visits after he visited Virginia for unofficial visit. But at the end, he did take that official visit to NC State. And then, well, he reopened his commitment and everything is trending that he will be headed to NC State um, when he makes his next decision. So that's something that we're monitoring there. So um, before we get into top headlines for Tony for from Tony Elliott's press conference when it comes to injuries and stuff like that, and also talking a little bit about that game against Boston College, recruiting is obviously a big talking point because you can do, you can, I don't want to say forgive things on the field, but you always want to see the bright side of things and you always want to see what the future will look like. So obviously recruiting is your lifeline, your bloodline of any program. So you want to see where things stand. So right now with Christian Zachary's 
the commitment. Virginia's has one wide receiver commitment interest in North. Virginia also has offered another wide receiver in Jack Spreadley Demps. Um, he's from um, Texas and he's trying to see what what's next for him. He's uh, committed to North Texas, but he's open um, to any offers in any school and including with Virginia. He's learning more about the UVA program. As, as you are aware in the Wahoos 24-7 interview we had last week. So Virginia is also going to be looking at potential other wide receiver targets. As you know, as we've talked about, and we've had Justin Sparrows on the show and discussing how they offer kids and they don't offer many people. They don't have a wide net offers. So as we continue to move, because to be frank, Virginia's schedule has not helped them on the recruiting trailer either, considering they had two Friday night games. You're going to see Virginia more on the road, um, obviously with William Marion home. And in the bye week, those are excellent opportunities for the UVA staff to go on the road and see high school games and watch tape. You're going to see more movement. You're going to see more receivers pick up offers because I'm, I'm predicting they're probably going to get about four receivers, three to four in this class. So I'm expecting more offers to go out in the next few weeks. Obviously, the transfer portal is still an option to kind of fit in those four, but at this time, you know, you also want to, you know, my spiel. I don't believe that Virginia has to live and die in the portal. I think that is the wrong move if you're a Virginia, because you have so many obstacles when it comes to the portal, not only just matching credits, but also NIL. When you talk about NIL, I don't see it as a detriment in high school ranks. You're yes, five stars, four stars, um, in those high ranges, probably. Um, Honestly, if you are in hunt for an offensive lineman, for instance, in the in, in the portal world, if you don't have a good NIL, then you're not getting those guys. That's just reality right now. So that's why I think Virginia still needs to be a developmental program and it still needs to focus on high school. At the end of the day, that's how you will grow your program and that's how you get better um, or change your tune in NIL. So. Um, so we're going to see Virginia make more movement there. There's actually a new offer um, out in Florida for athlete Gregory Smith. He's from the Tampa area. I spoke to him on Tuesday and I actually just uh, before I came here to record this podcast, he has been talking to Virginia for about a week. He was offered by Virginia head coach Tony Elliott, and he um, is a versatile athlete. He plays both sides of the ball. He plays quarterback as well as DB. Um, Virginia is recruiting him at DB. Um, some of the smaller schools are seeing him as a signal caller, but most guys are seeing him on the defensive side of the ball. And that's actually something that Virginia mentioned was that because he plays quarterback, he's able to understand offenses and read the quarterback a little bit better, which is why um, they offered him. Um, he also has offers from the likes of uh, Florida State and Vanderbilt, and he's currently trying to map out his official visits. And while talking to him, um, he says he's considering an official visit to Virginia and one thing that noted there is that, remember, starting from July 1st, these kids are allowed more than just five official visits. They're now allowed unlimited official visits. So it'll be interesting to see how schools like Virginia manage those because Virginia still has an allotted amount of official visits. The kids might have unlimited, but Virginia still has to figure out how to get, I think it's the numbers between 52 or 56. I'm, I forget the number, but so Virginia has to figure out how many of those are going to be safe for transfers? How many of those are going to be safe for high schoolers? 
and kind of go from there. And obviously they've already had a few official visits in the summer as well. So it's a, a lot of math. I'm not great at math. A lot of math to try to figure out how many official visits uh, they'll have remaining. So that's definitely um, something to juggle. So those are some of the 2020 new names to watch. And obviously they're still looking for a quarterback. Um, if you're a Wahoo's 24-7 subscriber, we've mentioned a few quarterbacks to watch, including one from Alabama. Um, one that's uncom- it's one that is committed currently to a Pac-12 school. Um, I guess, is it really Pac-12? But anyway, they're committed to a Pac-12 school. So there are some quarterback options uh, that they're monitoring, and we are too. So, um, And that actually is a good segue to a promo that we're running on Wahoo's 24-7 right now. Um, you can get two months worth of Wahoo's 24-7 subscription for just $1. So you can head over there right now. The promo runs until October 25th at 11, no, sorry, October 5th until 11.59 p.m. So just for the next two days. So until October 5th, 11.59 p.m. But um, so a lot of recruiting reset will be happening over the next couple of days. So if you're a recruiting person, um, we'll be resetting the 2024 board and also look ahead to 2025 because at this point, you're also trying to map out your official visits in 2025 or at least trying to figure out where you're at because, yes, you have early signing day in December, but as soon as you know January comes around, you're trying to get some of these 2025s on campus or on grounds um, to kind of get a head start because you got spring, then you got summer official visits. I mean, it's it's constant. So although we're talking about sealing the deal in 2024 and possibly even talking about the transfer portal, you still need to go ahead in 2025. So we'll be looking at a few names to know in 2025, including quarterback Cogear, which is teammates with Tristan Ward out of Connecticut. He's trying to map out a visit to Virginia, but unfortunately he plays on Saturday. So does Tristan. So it's a little hard for them to navigate some visits. So again, all that will be what we're doing this week um, as far as recruiting. Now, Tony Elliott spoke to the media on Tuesday. Obviously, there's a lot of conversations about what's next for this program and how to kind of change the mindset of finishing a game and not playing home run ball or hero ball, but winning those battles and playing clean football. But one of the big stories, too, is just the injuries. I mean, this team has been hit by so many injuries. I mean, if you look down the line, so many starters have not even featured for this team this year or were sidelined for a few games. I mean, this team has been unlucky when it comes to injuries. Now, Tony Elliott has said, and all the coaches, there's no excuses, next man up. But, I mean, it's it's been tough. Um, and now there's two players that are out for the season. We already knew Sue Wagenloe, who got hurt in that first game. And now Cam Butler is out for the rest of the season with a pec shoulder injury. He had surgery, and now he's out for the season as well, which is unfortunate because – Cam Buller has run out of eligibility. So he is no longer able to play college football. So he's moving on with his career to the NFL. And he's a, a player that is going to be sorely missed on that defensive line, not just because of his talent as far, but his intangibles that he brings on the field. It's really hard to clone a guy or copy a guy that has that, that, that ability to lead and that vocal leadership. It's really, really hard. And Cam Buller is certainly going to be a hard guy to replace. And it's just one more injury for that defensive line because, man, that defensive line who at the at spring and the beginning of fall, we all kept saying that they were the underrated defensive line group, and they were. But then you had Chico Bennett out for a little while. You had Sue Lungan-Loya that's out for the season. You have Paul Akiri that hurt his knee. 
you had Ben Smiley going through concussion protocol. Camp Butler now is out for the season. I mean, you have Mekhi Buchanan, a true freshman, starting or playing, excuse me, at defensive end at the number, you know, playing at the number two spot. I mean, it's it's you know, you don't expect to play true freshmen at that position. You expect them to, you know, grow and get used to the weight room. But you know, Mekhi Buchanan has stepped up and done decent job for a true freshman. They're still freshmen. They're still learning. But I mean, that's what they have to do. They have had to play defensive tackle Jason Hammond. So I mean, it's, it's been a lot for that D line. But the good news is Ben Smiley is expected to be back against William Mary and they hope Paula Carey will be back. But Tony Elliott did not say he will be back. Just hopefully he will be back. Ben Smiley, he did say he'll be back. And in addition to those Jameer Carter and Aaron Famui, Tony Elliott said they were kind of nicked a little bit. They suffered a few, you know, the, those those hard, constant injuries that happens are not being rotated nearly as much as they would like. They're also coming back um, from that game against Boston College for a little bit, a couple of bumps and bruises. They're probably going to ex- not practice every day this week. They're probably going to miss one practice. That's what Tony Elliott was mentioning during his press conference, but they're expected to play on Saturday. That's the D-line. We're just going to go start for there. And then let's go to the secondary because that is where more injuries happen. And then unfortunate, you know, we, we already know about Antonio Clary. He has not played this season. He had surgery. So it's about four weeks out at a minimum where he's expected to, you know, come back. So again, you're, you're, you're missing him. And then unfortunately, Dre Walker, after having his first career start and having the first, his first career interception where he was the first true freshman to pick, have a, pick in his true freshman season since Bryce Hall, he got hurt. So right now he is not available this weekend with a knee injury. Still no timeline on his return. Then Malcolm Green, after his collision with O'Keefe, he's also out this weekend. He's going through concussion protocol. Um, so on the depth chart, you have Elijah Gaines, who moved back to corner from safety, and William Simpkins. That's someone that I know a lot of fans have asked where he's at. Um, he's been recovering and coming back and working on conditioning. So Virginia is turning to him too at corner. Other injuries of note, Lex Long should be back this week. He's at full practice. So at least that will be a good addition at the secondary. Xavier Brown, we've seen him dressed the last two games. He traveled to Maryland. Uh, was he traveled to Maryland? He was at NC State. He, he was there for the NC State game and he traveled at Boston College. So he's obviously available. Mike Collins is day-to-day. Um, he had a boot on his foot during practice today. So that is day to day for Mike Hollins. So those are the big injuries heading to the game this weekend. So um, before we kind of move on here, um, obviously, William and Mary, we usually have behind the main lines where we talk about William and Mary. Unfortunately, we do not have a 24 7 site with William and Mary. So um, this week, we are going to have a different episode on Thursday where we're probably going to. Um, just kind of discuss basketball. So on, so instead of having a football centric episode on Thursday, we'll be having a basketball episode on Thursday, since we do not have a William Mary writer to go behind the lines for the game. So we're going to take a quick break and on the way back, we'll game recap and, um, we'll do a quick look forward to, um, what are we want to see as we look forward to William Mary and the bye week So We'll be right back as um, we take a look at that Boston College loss in a little more detail. 
new CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. Hello and welcome back to Good Old Podcast. I'm Jack Frenchley for Wahoo's 24 7. So, that first half of the show, we kind of broke down a few recruiting headlines coming in this week. And we're also talking a little bit about the injuries that Virginia has and kind of moving forward. So, now let's talk about Boston College laws. It is what's the saying? Diff- same story, different day. And it was honestly, same story, different game for Virginia. It was another game where they couldn't finish, another game where they were, did not play all four quarters. It was a game that Virginia was in control and they just let one slip. So what's next for this program? Um, right Before we kind of get that, let's just talk a little bit of the game. Um, as um, normal, I just put up the stats on the YouTube channel. So the Video um, has the stats available on your screen. Again, we have this available on Wahoo's 24-7 as well if you're following along on the podcast. And I'm also going to talk about some of the key stats. The first thing is, I mean, Virginia was up 21-7 to at the half. At that point, you're thinking all momentum is with Virginia. I mean, with 41 seconds left on the clock, they were able to have a musket um, throw to Malachi Fields where Malachi Fields outlapped everybody for the Hail Mary touchdown pass. They were going in with such momentum and, and you just thought, wow, Virginia is going in there. I know I looked at Greg Medea, who uh, along with the CBS 19 reporter were the only ones that traveled and we looked at each other like, okay, this is where Virginia is going to go back on the third quarter. This is the momentum. This is, this is what you expect. And it was the opposite of what happened. And to be fair, that's what's been happening all year. Um, they've not maintained that consistency or or just that level of performance. In the third, in the first half, Boston College only had 120 yards of total offense. UVA had 267 yards of total offense. And Musket, I mean, everyone was worried about Tony Musket coming back for Anthony Colandrea. And honestly, he showed a good ability to lead that offense in that first half. He showed his ability to scramble, not to the level that you expect. Anthony Colandrea was kind of moving them outside of the pocket, but Musket still showed an ability to move, and he showed an ability to lead the offense, that confidence that you need in a signal caller. He went 16 of 21 for 218 yards and three touchdowns in that first half. He was an effective passer. But then, that second half and that third quarter, in that third quarter, you Boston College outscored Virginia 17 to nothing. UVA's offense in that entire second half 
only had 39 yards of offense, 39 yards. And then Boston College had 266. A lot of those yards came on the ground. Virginia was not able to run on the ground, but Boston College was, um, which, you know, is, is not great for Virginia. We'll get back into the run game a little bit. But that third quarter was a collapse for UVA. And UVA, again, is showing that they can't play consistently for all four quarters, which is going to be a problem with them as they go deeper in the ACC contest. Then the biggest glaring stat, and it's something that, you know, I asked Des Kitchings after the game. We spoke about it with Tony Elliott after the game. Um, asked again during Tony Elliott's press conference on Tuesday. They had 11 penalties for 90 yards. You do not win football games with 11 penalties and 90 yards, um, especially with Virginia, who has such a margin of error. And the, I think, and it's if you read the five takeaways that I wrote after the game, the sequence that really stands out to me, because when you talk about momentum in a game, you, you know, many people were saying that, you know, Virginia, you know, when you look at the game, you can say Virginia had all the momentum in the first half. And then just as BC was coming in and Virginia scored. It felt like when you're watching the game, when I rewatched it, there was this sequence and it was in the second quarter. Virginia was up 14 to nothing and BC um, didn't get any movement um, on their side um, on offense. So they punted and Virginia got the ball back. And then you had Malik Washington go for 15 yards, Mike Collins go for 13 yards and Musket for 11 yards. So you had three plays in the row for 10 yards or more. Virginia was moving the ball well. They were gaining again momentum. And then Uganana was called for a hold. And then Ty Furnish was called for a false start. And then suddenly you're facing third and long. And then they were forced to punt. Two drives later, Boston College scored. And it made it, they, they were on the board. Yes, Virginia was able to score a touchdown before the break. But you can point to that quarter for Boston College to get things going again. They were able to score and they were getting the ball back in the second half and they were able to score a field goal. That was when things start going with Boston College. You only, they, they, if you were able to score and make it 21, nothing at that point, Boston College was that, that was basically putting the nail in the coffin on the second quarter. Now, obviously you still need to continue in playing, but 20 coming back from 21, nothing is different coming back from 14, nothing. That is what, I mean, penalties hurt Virginia. That ended their momentum. And then that, that's when Boston College was able to turn. That was kind of the start, in my opinion, when things start. We talked about the third quarter collapse. But I think that's when things started to derail for Virginia. The next offensive drive, Musket was sacked and again forced to take, I think, third and long at that point. And then Boston College was able to score. And then Virginia scored from the break. But I can point to that specific sequence as when things started turning away for Virginia. And it was because of two back-to-back -back penalties. That is what's, that's what's hurting Virginia right now, is these mental errors and mental mistakes. And that happened 11 times in that game. You're not going to win a game like that if you're Virginia, because as we've said multiple times, either in written form or host 24-7 or on this podcast, if you're Virginia, your margin of error is small. Those things matter at the end of the day. Now... Um, 
the other thing is, and during that Boston College touchdown, um, there was a PI called that extended that play. Um, and some PI calls, you can kind of argue one way or another, but there was also missed tackles on that Boston College drive. And the first half of the show, we talked about all the injuries. I get the defense. I mean, defense played a very solid game in that first half. You can give credit to that defense. They also gave opportunities for UVA's offense to take advantage of the turnovers that they got. Virginia wasn't able to make Boston College pay for those turnovers. So the defense technically, even when things were not going as planned for the defense and they were allowing Boston College to run away with it a little bit on the ground, they still managed turnovers in that second half. Virginia's offense just couldn't do anything with that. Um, so that so they're not taking advantage of the turnovers, even when the defense uh, was able to um, force those. In the second half, you can argue that depth was the reason why at that point the defense was just gassed. I mean, how many guys have I said that wasn't that weren't playing in the Virginia defense and the injuries simply mounted? I mean, they were playing true freshmen in several positions on that defense side of the ball. And I'm, don't get me wrong, Dre Walker and Cam Robinson are two excellent players, but you're also relying on several players that you weren't expecting in certain positions, and then you can't rotate as much anymore because either you're trying to figure out what the pieces are, but also who plays well together, but also communication, how that works. I mean, a game against NC State, I was talking about how the communication in the secondary was better, and you've got new guys going into the secondary. I think Cohen King and Dre Walker were just excellent bookends in the, at that corner position. I mean, they both played really well together, and then Dre Walker got hurt. And then so you're, and then you brought Malcolm Green. Then Malcolm Green got hurt. Um, so it's, it's one thing after the other. So um, they still have problems stopping the run, like I said. Uh, BC was able to have 266 yards of total offense um, in that second half alone. Uh, they amounted to 386 total yards on offense and 203 yards on that ground. I think about 160 yards of that came in that second half. So, again, that's not stats that you want to see for Virginia. So they need to do a better job of stopping the run, especially as you move further into this season, looking for their first win. Now, the other thing that you can see is, I know, penalty is a problem. They're shooting them. They're, they're hurting themselves, self-inflicted wounds. But there's also no run game for the Cavaliers. I mean, if there was a week for Virginia to establish the run, it would have been this one. Boston College rush defense coming into that game was the third worst in the ACC. They allowed an average of 189 yards rushing. Um, they also averaged about 4.7 yards per carry. And they were tied for last in rushing touchdowns with 12. The Hoos managed just 66 yards uh, on the ground. Obviously, some of that is factored in with um, sacks, but I mean, that is not the recipe that you want. If you are trying to win a game and you're trying to become a balanced offense, that is not what you want. Virginia averaged 2.3 yards per carry and 66 yards against one of the worst rush defense in the conference. A lot of that's... It's been a frustrating, it's been frustrating to see when you look at the running back room. But then you consider this offensive line. We've asked, you know, the co every time we've had press availability, the offensive line question comes up. To be fair for this offensive line, there's a lot of new pieces coming in. A lot of the pieces couldn't really get together 
even during fall camp because of injury. And you have guys move different positions. Brian Stevens at center does look better, but you still have false penalties, false start penalties. You still have holding penalties. You have those mistakes there that does cost you moving yards. Pass blocking and run blocking, those things still need to improve. The left side of the O-line is definitely shown the, the strength of that group. The right side, Virginia is still working on that side. We saw that they went with Noah Hartzell, a right guard, and Jimmy Chris for at least one drive. Not many snaps, but one drive. And even when I asked Tony Elliott how many guys are comfortable in that rotation, he went with, you know, seven. You have your starting five, then you have Noah Hartzell and Jimmy Chris, and then they want to work in Blake Steen. So the issue that they have is, you know, when you're in that position, they're going to go with their starting five because those are the five that they're more comfortable with. Um, cause that's something that, you know, we're asked and I even asked Des Kitchings if they, he's ever thought of moving Ugana Nana inside and they want to keep Ugana Nana at tackle because he's been getting better at that position and since moving from guard. So, I mean, this is a work in progress, but it's just, when you look at tape, it looked like the O-line was getting more push at the beginning of the game. And then suddenly they were losing those battles in the second half. So I don't know if it's a conditioning thing. Um, but that's what it looked like in tape. It was like they were, they were winning those battles and getting more push in that first half, but then they weren't doing that in the second half. The other thing that, you know, when you look at Virginia's game, you, you, you see that when the scripted plays start in the game, it's, I mean, Virginia is moving well, they're, they're doing no huddle, they're, they're crisp, the, the offense just clicks. But then as the game progresses, it's it's like they not even just the players it feels like even sometimes the coaches get put their foot off they take the foot off the pedal and when they're aggressive it feels like the players feed off that energy i mean when you look at that 42nd drive where it has tony musket getting the hail mary or when um those um those two defensive drives that ended with scores in the first half they were quick they were assertive they were aggressive and then you look at some of the other decisions. I mean, running back to back and in not passing the ball when Boston College secondary, I felt like they could have gone against. I mean, you have Malachi Fields and Malik Washington, and you didn't go for one on one battles sometimes, which you know, something we talked about before the game. I felt like that's some of the stuff that they could have done. So I think sometimes when you're talking about getting that winning mindset, how much is that also? the play call being aggressive versus conservative. How much does players feed off of that too? So that I, I, that's something that, you know, Dust Kitchens even talked about trying to see what, schematically what they can do, especially with the establishing the run or just helping that mindset, establishing that you want to finish the game. So, and not be complacent and not stopping, not, not letting your early successes kind of be, make you complacent so you don't complete the game. So that is definitely um, something that stood out to me is when you when they play aggressive, they can see that. So and even towards the last drive, uh, there was um, a drop um, in that first throw. And then it was curious to me that you didn't see Malachi Fields or Malik Washington as targeted there. And it also, you know, it's it's kind of like Monday morning quarterback, right? So, but yeah, it's just, um, for Virginia until they fix those little details until they clean up those penalties, you're going to have this problem. 
Now, Virginia will have William Mary at home on Saturday. So they'll be back at Scott Stadium. It'll be a chance to recuperate. Now, it's, it is, yes, it's an FCS, FCS opponent. William Mary is coming back from losing from Elon. Obviously, it's the return of Mike London. A lot of, a lot of former players are on Mike London staff. So a lot of familiarities, including um, Matt Johns. So they have a pretty, pretty good D-line, um, but they struggled offensively against Elon this past weekend. This game is a game that Virginia is expected to win. Obviously, you can't come out complacent. Um, FCS programs have proven um, that you can't take them for granted, but this will be a good game for Virginia, who's honestly had a pretty tough start to the season where you travel to Tennessee, um, you host in-state team JMU, then you go to Maryland, and then you host NC State, which just happens to be the home of your former quarterback and former offensive coordinator, former offensive line coach. And then you travel to Boston College. I mean, it's it's been a long, long, long starting stretch. Um, and Virginia also just needs to heal up too. So after William Mary, you have the bye week before you start a very tough ACC stretch with two road games at North Carolina and also at Miami. So a lot of things coming on the other side. So Virginia, you really want to make sure you're cleaning things up. And for the staff, you're just trying to figure out one, what your depth looks like in certain positions. You're also looking ahead this week for recruiting. As I mentioned at the top of the show, you're going to be looking at who's next on your offer list because you're trying to establish that you're trying to get these guys on grounds for visits. Um, I believe that they're going to have one official visit weekend or two in November. And then obviously December will be when their biggest official visit weekends are. Um, there's one weekend in November that they're kind of targeting as a big official visit weekend in addition to those December. So you're trying to line up all those official visits then too. So you're evaluating certain players now. And then you're also targeting those players to get on grounds like Gregory Smith, who just picked up an offer on Monday night. So that's those are the things that you're looking at. And then you're, you know, it's obviously no one's entered the transfer portal yet, but then you're also trying to see which positions you need experience that now when you look ahead next year. And then you're also recruiting your, your locker room as well. Obviously, Dominic Starling is one that looks like they're going to transfer portal. Obviously, he's not na named in his, excuse me. Obviously, Dominic Starling is not in the portal yet, but he is expected to um, enter the portal in December, as noted by um, Tony Elliott when he said that uh, Dominic Starling was redshirting the season. And they were helping him graduate, and then they were talking long-term what his next steps are. So it seems that the portal is the most likely scenario for them. So for Virginia moving forward, it is a tough situation for them. Um, they just need to play all four quarters. And I know it's the most cliche thing to do, but they're, they've shown that they're close. Um, they just need to get over that hump. And they have not won a game since last October when they won Atlanta against Georgia Tech. So getting a win will certainly have morale and help that locker room. So that's the first thing that they're expecting against William Mary. So again, we will have coverage from the game on Wahoo's 24-7. Next few weeks, we're going to have a mixture of football and basketball. Like I said, the Thursday episode coming up will be more basketball. Um, because again, William Mary, we don't have a publisher on 24-7 sports, so we can't do it behind enemy lines. 
So we'll have more basketball on Thursday. We also have basketball coverage coming on Wahoos 24-7 as well as recruiting coverage for basketball um, as Virginia, Tony Bennett, and the Virginia staff kind of focus more on 2025. There are some 2025 that could reclassify to 2024 uh, with Virginia possibly looking for that for one of those 2025 targets, but mostly they're looking at 2025. And then on October 14th, it'll be the blue and white scrimmage for both the Virginia men and women will be at those scrimmages. So we'll have sights and sounds from them and we'll have some of our big takeaways from that as well during the bye week. Um, and then for football, we'll be heading out to the road too for recruiting. So we'll be heading out to a couple of high school games in the next few weeks. So looking at a kind of commits or a couple of targets as well as um, we kind of turn the tables there as well. Because again, early signing day is only what? Two months away, October, November, three months away. Um, so yeah, so it's 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 coming pretty close. So Virginia is uh, looking to cement that 2024 class, and we'll have all that covered on Wahoo's 24/7. The game against William Mary on Saturday. So depending on when you're listening, hope you have a good rest of your Tuesday night, and if not, hope you guys have a great Wednesday morning. And I'll see you back here on Thursday. <laughs> Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan.